All right, you ready to do this? Yeah. Okay, I got an intro. Okay, sweet. Spoiler alert! Here is this week's show show with Sweets and Slaney. Wait a second. You would the own New a, England Patriots. You would own a yacht and the New England Patriots before a second set of AirPods. I would need those to bring in the revenue to buy the AirPods. Oh, I see. Okay. And then I it's think a, I, I, <laughs> it's a vicious times cycle. Times a flat circle. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the rich get richer, as they say. That's right. <laughs> That's me. How you doing? I miss you. I, I miss you too, man. Like, like a lot. Like, it's been such oh, an isolated oh. couple of weeks. And like, I, I mean, normally if we, <clears throat> normally if we, if we miss a week of the podcast, it still feels like a long time not doing the podcast. But yeah. for a couple of reasons, we're not seeing each other at all. You know, you having a different life now. And then also, uh, Nova Scotia, uh, kind of snapping off from the rest of the country and floating out into the distance. Being so, an absolute shit show, you might say. You might call it that, yeah. It is crazy. Yeah, it's So horrible. we got shut down. I, I don't. I think I said this on the last podcast that we needed like two weeks, three negative tests. Yeah. Miraculously, no one outside of that household, of, so it was Jen's, one of Jen's family members that got COVID. Yeah. And no one outside of that household, although they were hanging out with multiple of us, right? Like within within the rules, no one else got COVID. Um, yeah, that is kind of a miracle. Three of the four of those got COVID, but but we didn't. And how are they? Did they do okay with it? Was their experience pretty uh, routine? Yeah, they're they're all fine. I, I don't think there. Were, I think there was a, a loss of smell and taste. I don't yeah. know if that continues on. Uh, for that person but for the for the most part everyone's everyone's feeling good they're on the come up like you know what it's it's wasn't a big deal for them but obviously it is a big deal for other people in the province because i think two people died the other day and yeah, yeah. we have we went from when we last spoke i think we had 79 cases we now have 1200 over 1200 1300 yeah 13 yeah, well, and, and probably more than that. And what feels most unsettling is that even the experts apparently can't make any kind of predictions about where we are in this phase of it. Um, and what's... Well, Was anyone predicting the, the Blink special today? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think so. Well, and, and nor yesterday. Like for the first couple of days this week, um, Dr. Yeah, Strang... there wasn't 182 cases yesterday. There was today, hence it being the Blake special. I no, I get the joke. There was there was a oh, hundred. There was a hundred and there was 176 yesterday. So there were that yesterday was our biggest case day ever until today. Um, right. And in the first few days of the week, Dr. Strang was kind of indicating that by the end of this week, mid to end, we should see a bit of a reduction because of this mythic backlog of tests that they were finally going to uh, work their way through. But then once we get to the end of that backlog, he's like, well, now we've created a new backlog working on the last one. <laughs> and so right. we're like, okay, well, who are we supposed to trust? And the thing that's bothering me the most, <clears throat> making are me- Are going to say, I never trust Dr. Strang? <laughs> Is that going to be our- Ugh, No, I do trust Dr. Strang. I really do. You can't say that, yeah. No, I, I really trust Dr. Strang. Um, but there are other people at those press conferences who have this kind of tone of- of yelling at us all the fucking time. Like e everything that is said is like, do you, do you realize the people tuning into these live streams are the people who are getting tests every week? Yeah. Like, and why, why do I have to feel like I'm being scolded when there are other kids out there having like crazy Friday nights? Yeah. And meanwhile, we have Toby Blenderson going, 
what is wrong with you? <laughs> well, we Becky and I have been tracking their desperate want to create a new Stay the Blazes home. Like, and and yeah. there's by the way, there's something deeply dystopic about trying to create a slogan for the third wave of a pandemic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're trying to make that your political win? Really? Well, and I think in their minds, they're like, well, Stay the Blazes Home brought everyone together and it gave everybody kind of like a school chant almost. And that created a, a sort of uh, uh, unity. But it has to be an accident. Like you cannot create a meme on purpose and they've been trialing these different phrases like roar back at the virus which <laughs> I this. are just not spicy enough like the whole thing about stay the blazes home was that it was so spicy and then lo and behold they just fall backwards into an accidental meme just like stay the blazes home which is what is wrong with you but what's so funny about it is he just has this this monotone way of speaking and, and like I don't know if he's a humorless person, but the way he built to it, like it's so um, scripted. And he says, "I just have one serious question for you people not obeying the regulations. What is wrong with you?" And and <laughs> Becky and I were laughing tonight. Like, wouldn't it be so funny if he stayed the same uh, like energy tone, but instead of saying "What is wrong with you?" he said "What's the dealio?" <laughs> <laughs> I have one serious well, question for you. What's the dealio? And he had that great tweet a couple of weeks ago, or, or it was a, an Instagram post where it said, straight up, mm. Nova Scotia, you got to stay home. So <laughs> he, he was one, he was a half a beat away from saying, what's the dealio? Yeah. Oh, I know. He's he's dropped straight up a lot of times. He wants to be Paula Abdul. He, he tried for a right. little while to make that his personal hashtag. Anyway, it's... it's... <laughs> if you want, I have one serious question for you. Straight up now, tell me, do you really want to get COVID forever? I'd like that. I'd like a little personality. It would be kind of refreshing. I know it almost feels like he's like, hey, buddy, am I at the creative agency? What do you got for me? <laughs> you punch up my my uh, speech a little bit. Well, meanwhile, we're watching Mad Men for the first time. And so like, I, I have all these ideas about like why they're doing this wrong because I watch Mad Men and drink old fashions. There you go. Do you do that while you watch it? Yeah, I have done it a few times. Yeah. Atta boy. I know. I found a special way to to make it more citrus allergenic friendly. And so I've replaced the orange bitters with ginger bitters and I garnish with maraschino cherry instead of orange peel. But it's otherwise the same. And you smoke Marlboro. Are they Marlboros or? Lucky Strike. Lucky Strikes. It's like that's their yeah. big account. Lucky Strike could turn our lights off. Oh yeah, Lucky Strike. Damn, I love that show. I can't believe I haven't finished it, but I'll get around. We're uh, that and Better Call Saul is another one that's been called my attention. That's like, yeah, you've yet. mentioned before that that kind of falls into your. I don't really believe in the high stakes of prequels uh, conundrum, and I, I I see that perspective. That's right. I actually had a work conversation about it and they were like, no, no, but like, Matt, if you liked The Leftovers, you're, trust me, you're going to like Better Call Saul. I was like, wow, that's a huge endorsement. Wait, you watched that Odenkirk Punch Him Up movie, right? Yes, it was great. It was? It was so good. Yeah, it was, it was just a fun time. And, and especially for Bob Odenkirk, like, it was... 
it was like John Wick, I suppose. Like, you know, it's it's like it hits a lot of the same beats, but well, like Taken, he's protecting just... his daughter, isn't he? Isn't it kind of the same as that? And and he's like getting up there. He's he's older than John Wick. Yeah, the whole idea is he's like yeah, kind of like a reformed like you know special forces guy who's like been working in the same day job forever. No one really knows that he's special forces, and his he he gets his house broken into and they're trying to steal something. And, and they like his son comes storming down and he like, doesn't make the move to like swing the bat at this guy's head. Who's assaulting his son. Um, and so there, there's a whole like kind of play that you think's happening about like, Oh, why didn't he do that? What would you do? But you learn that he's actually like taking these mental notes while all of this is happening. And, and anyways, yeah, you, yeah, you go down a rabbit hole of, of John Wickiness from there. I, I've, I've heard good things. It really sounds more like Taken to me. Cause I'm, I mean, I haven't, I've only seen the first no Taken. One? It was years ago. He was also like a retired police officer, right? Who like, who specialized in. Yes. Messing a people specific up. set of skills. Right. Um, but I don't think anyone gets taken in nobody. Okay. I think it's just like uh but it is revenge it is revenge on the people that that came to his house yeah and then the story goes deeper from there mm-hmm. because they find out like oh you assaulted my man well now we're like showing up to your house again and they all anyways yeah you watched that and you also told me you watched the the spaceship one with anna kendrick <laughs> oh my god and tony man. collette what's it called that movie, which is, isn't a movie. Uh, <laughs> it is, is. It is technically a movie. It's it's just such a weird experience watching that movie. I forget. I, I don't know what that what it's called. I can look it up right now. Whatever. But It's the yeah, one on it's, Prime it's, with Anna Kendrick that just came out last week. And by the way, it's not part of any kind of zeitgeisty discussion at all. And yet no. the tomato meter score is, you know, it's not like the best of the best, but it's not bad. It's not rotten. It shocks me that it's, decent because it just seems like it's getting to a point kind of leads you in a direction of like where the movie's going and about halfway through the movie it heel turns and all of a sudden the movie's about something else Mm. but rather than that the movie going the full other 50 percent, it only goes 25 percent of the way and ends super abruptly yeah it doesn't conclude you said it's it was almost it's a fascinating study of like how to do a movie like i feel like they started it covid happened they were like uh can we wrap this up and salvage it and someone was like yeah let's just like add some extra cgi in here let's punch out and go home yeah i also wanted to ask you about this new uh michael b jordan tom clancy movie on amazon prime only because it seems like exactly the kind of thing you would watch I did watch it. Yeah. And it was great. Yeah. <laughs> it it made us watch. We're on this big run. Like Jen and I are, if we're sitting at home and we're quarantined and we don't have anything to watch, we were like, we could watch Nomadland. It's like, well, we don't want to watch a quarantine sad I get it. movie. Yeah. So how about instead we watch this movie that is most likely going to say, secure the perimeter at yeah point. right it just it kicks ass and it's fun and it's escapism it was great yeah it was great and it forced us to it forced us we had no choice 
to start watching Jack Ryan. Sure. And now we're into season two of Jack Ryan and it's a good, like every night we get to go watch John Krasinski go like, Hey, please let me stay on this job. And they're like, no, you can't stay on the job. And he's like, I got to take matters into my own hands then. And he goes rogue. He always goes rogue. I think that Jack Ryan and also, so do you know how uh, we talked about this before when, when, Cable TV was the the dominant force in evening at-home entertainment. And it seemed like the most popular show on TV was probably the show that everybody was talking about was like Grey's Anatomy or, um, I don't know, uh, Two and a Half Men or something. Um, but actually, secretly, the biggest show by like a wide margin was NCIS. Yeah. Like these procedural like detective shows or Law and Order, these... Uh, these shows that people just consume like ravenously. I have a feeling that Jack Ryan, like in a world where it seems like Bridgerton and Stranger Things or uh, Maisel or these like zeitgeist he talked about shows, even the HBO uh, uh, like super dramas, where it seems like they're surely the highest rated streamed programs in the world. Secretly, no, quietly, it's probably your Jack Ryan's, your Yellowstone's. Yeah. I will say Jack Ryan's done. It, it's just an overall better show than an NCIS. And it's like, you know, more on the, the HBO side of things. Mm-hmm. But it is like, you know, he's going rogue every episode and, and he's stabbing someone in the eye and doing so. Like the funniest part of the show is that he's supposed to be an analyst. Right. So he's like this PhD who got out of the army to become an analyst. And kind of in the first season, he found himself in this precarious situation where he was right about this uh money transfer happening in yemen and so they go to yemen and it ends up being a terrorist and then he ends up having to kind of flex his skills and now he's just like stuck in the life of flexing his skills does he ever look at like hunt down perps does he ever look at the camera no pretty damn close but that would be awesome have you ever read any of those like trade paperback drugstore like David Baldacci, Tom Clancy, uh, James Patterson type books where there's like a million of them. You buy them at the airport. Have you ever gotten into that? No, I'm sure. I, like I, I Just fiction in general, I haven't read a whole lot of, but I'm sure I would be able to and go like, man, this is awesome. I just, I, I, en- I envy people who like really buy into that because, and that sounds condescending, but like I, it, it would be so exciting to discover your favorite author has 85 books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my mom's kind of that way like she's she is all about murder mysteries and like gruesome like detective stories and like she's... like sue grafton type books yeah yeah she, she'll read like you know constantly and it's, i think it's mainly on her kindle now but i grew up with her having like you know a four inch thick novel that she was always digging into and it was always like paperback rarely like hardcover right Good. Voracious reader, that Claire. Are you reading anything? Do we we don't talk about books very much. How'd this come up? Um, well, it started with Tom Clancy right. and yeah, yeah. But uh, no, not really. No. Are you? No, not 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 actively, not not committally. Mm. Yeah, I've just been focusing my energy on work. Yeah. Oh, good for you. Works good. Reading time has been. The, the yeah, works work? great. Good. It's it's a lot more. Like I was working up until you called me. I, and obviously I took like dinner and I, but, 
but it's just good. It, I feel like my mind is more activated now just by virtue of changing what I'm, what I'm doing. You know, you, you know, when you do a certain activity and it makes you feel smarter. Sure. Yeah. Whether that's like, you know, a game of Tetris or uh, doing a Sudoku puzzle for the Dude, first time. I do. I do like, like the sharp. I do like three crossword puzzles a day. That's yeah. That's not that's not to avoid Alzheimer's. It's to prove to myself that I'm smart. Right. Okay. So it's it it, and then, and then like later in the day, if you like find a word really quickly, do you go like, yeah, this is good. It's the also it's, it's also why we watch Jeopardy. If there's a validation right. in in getting to it, and the other person in the room is like, hey, good for you. Did you hear about the exciting clue last night? Yes, Jeopardy? of course. Yes. It was weird because it was like it was the day after Star Wars Day. So the correct answer was Halifax, but there was a weird Star Wars reference in the text of the clue, and it was May the fifth that it came up. So like the the, oh, the yeah. clue the clue was Haligonian is not a term from Star Wars, which I guess is a right. like backdoor Mandalorian reference. It's actually a native right. person from this capital city in Canada. Um, but uh, it wasn't it wasn't a May the fourth be with you reference. Did you get up and cheer when that happened? It's, isn't it, I don't, maybe I'm just a man of simple pleasures, but isn't it exhilarating when pop culture references your hometown? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and there was, someone made a video of all the YouTube clips, or all of the, the movies and shows that have said, like, Nova Scotia, Halifax, yeah. Nova Scotia, Nova Scotia. And it is kind of cool. And usually we're, like, the butt of a joke, and usually it's pretty gentle comedy, but I'll take mm -hmm. it. I was on a call with um, someone from England the other day and she went, I am obsessed with the Kirk curse of Oak Island. Hey. And I was like, Oh, awesome. I know people that work on that show. My oh, dad wow. loves that show. My dad is crazy about that show. And That's I, hilarious. I like Oak Island as a, a subject of conversation. I'm not wild about the TV show, which feels like a sham. But it is like right. the it's the most successful TV show in the history channel's history or something crazy. I remember one time I talked to a friend who uh, at one point worked as a cameraman on that show, and he was like, "Yeah, the new season's about to drop." And I was like, "Hey, between you and me, did they find anything?" And he, he like kind of side eyed me for a second. He was like, "No, nah, they didn't find anything." No. I was like I knew it. We're we're gonna hear about it. Like that's the thing is the show is never going to have suspense because we'll know. It'll be in the news. It'll yeah. be the first thing in the news. Right. Yeah. The one show that was able to do that was the Jinx, where the the director actually held on to the fact that Robert Durst was a murderer until yes. the final episode aired, and then they had like a sting operation set up where the cops went immediately to his house. That's a good point. I just feel like there's something a little shady, and this is just the impression I get. It's not based on any kind of fact, but having watched the first season of The Curse of Oak Island, I just the relationship between those Lagina brothers d doesn't sit right with me. So, okay. like, it just kind of feels like Marty, who's the one, who's the shorter one, like, he had all the money, and Rick, the guy with the beard, he had all the curiosity, and so he just kind of, like, he just kind of, like, used his brother's fortune to, like, dig for gold that doesn't exist, and, I mean, I get now that, like, they obviously have backing and stuff, but it just kind of feels like the rich brother wants so badly for the not rich brother to love him that he's like, sure, take my millions of dollars, we'll just dig in the dirt for 10 years. He's like, hey, you know what I heard about? 
underground tunnels. <laughs> and the Rich Brothers like, I'll throw money at you. Come over here. I think I found a button from a pirate's trench coat. It says Tommy Hilfiger on it. Were you standing over here? <laughs> but it's gold. Wow. Oh, never mind. It's bronze. Ah, it's made of wood. It's made of <laughs> it's epoxy. <wooden. laughs> Did you, you, I mean, it seems ridiculous to talk about the Oscars at this point, but you did mention Nomadland, which is the reigning best picture. I, very seldom has it been so clear so soon that this is not a movie we will remember or discuss. It's going to be one of those right. best pictures where we're like, really? Was that best picture? It's mm -hmm. it's lovely. It's nice. But I've already gotten over it. Yeah. I, I still haven't watched that one. And, and I've heard a lot of people echo. It makes me feel better about myself because there's so many people that have said, yeah, no, this wasn't the year for me to watch the Oscars. Like, I just didn't know any of the movies. I wasn't really interested. It didn't even feel like any of the movies actually came out. And then for the most part, the comments that people had on the show was like, it's not really, it wasn't really entertaining. They didn't do the things that they normally do to make it entertaining, like the jokes or the, right. or the clips. And then at the they they had best actor at the end and then they ended yeah. up giving it to Anthony Hopkins, which seems like a misstep because they don't normally wait to give a, give away best actor until the end. So that was going to be intentionally one of the ways they subverted expectations with this show. And they it's notable that they had Steven Soderbergh produce the Oscars to give it a kind of cinematic flair. And at okay. the opening of the production, you got that sense. Like it opens with... Regina King like walking in from the sidewalk and you've got like a cool camera angle following her and they're putting up credits like it's the opening sequence of a movie and she's going to go in there and like rob the place or something like it was it, seriously in like an Ocean's Eleven kind of way. It was like very yeah. flashy and fun. Um, and then it 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 kind of died because they opened it rather than with Best Supporting Actor or Best Supporting Actress, which always opens the show. They opened with screenplay which does happen to be a category that interests me, but it meant that like the first speeches of the night were like Emerald Fennell and people right. don't tune in for that. And then immediately after screenplay, they went back to the, the traditional form and they, they gave out the supporting actor um, award. So it was kind of like, what was the point of, of pushing this off? Now, one thing right. that they did do uh, that I think aided in the entertainment of the production was they completely, um, did away with playing people off so you could essentially so it would seem give as long of an acceptance speech as you wanted to and i like that because nothing's more frustrating than watching all these movies and tuning into the oscars and it feels like sam rockwell just got up there and you're already playing him off and like that's why i tuned in and so right. it was funny and awesome when daniel kaluuya went on for like almost five minutes um and then the next speech uh, went to uh, Best International Feature, and so the maker of Another Round got up, and he delivered a, a beautiful speech, and then towards the end of it, he revealed that his daughter, who was kind of like his biggest fan, I guess, uh, died in a terrible car accident like after the movie was made, before it came out, so it was like super fresh, and it was a, it was a beautiful tribute, but it was a really early point in the night to be hit with the feels. And yeah. so it was kind of hard to get it back from there. You're right. There was no comedy. There were no performances. And another criticism, which is valid, uh, is that for most of the first part of the show, there were no clips. So there's no, right. here's here's what the, the, the screenplay uh, nominees looks like. 
but you don't get a snippet of what their dialogue sounds like when performed. You know, uh, this person is is nominated for best costumes, but we're not going to show you like the amazing costume they designed for this movie. And so, it why would you do that? It, it seems kind of silly. And then, yeah, the the Hopkins thing is interesting because obviously it was uh, uh, Chadwick's to lose, and so it seemed when they when they got to best picture third from last first of all i think probably a lot of people turned off the tv thinking that it was over after that point so that was a huge mistake um plus it was like right around midnight um when it became clear that they were going to do best actor best actress uh as the last two awards um i guess the you were supposed to think well i guess they're afraid that when they give it to chadwick they're not going to be able to get the energy back so why not do that last and it'll be somber but touching and then they'll be able to end the show that way and then they didn't end the show that way because Anthony Hopkins upset. I won $65 in my pro line. And good for you. And then uh it was kind of awkward and the show just kind of ended like the Sopranos. Now, Steven Soderbergh said today that they had always planned to end with best actor even before the nominations came out, but that's kind of a a bum argument because we knew Chadwick was a front runner to win even before the nominations came out. So it, it's right. hard to believe that that wasn't a consideration. I realize I'm ranting a lot here, but one more thing I'll say about, uh, in particular, Best Picture. So we ended up spending most of the evening uh, honoring Nomadland with Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Lead Actress. By the way, no fanfare given to the extreme, like, elite credential of Frances McDormand now having three uh, Lead Actress Academy Awards. Like, not even Meryl Streep has three Lead Actress Academy Awards incredible but they don't even acknowledge that it's like a special moment so like all of the big awards go to nomadland and they're doing the entire oscars from a fucking train station where i have to presume a good number of homeless people have been displaced so that they can give a bunch of gold statues to people who made a movie about homelessness it seemed something a little bit off about that too and so just the whole show was kind of it was fine. I didn't hate it as much as some people, but there was some stuff that didn't seem fully thought through. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I, my essay. I, will need, <laughs> I need to circle back for sure on some of the movies, but I, I definitely don't feel compelled to watch Nomadland tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, quick Aaron Rodgers news. So last week when we were supposed to be doing the show show, uh, but I had to push, um, Aaron Rodgers announced the night of the NFL draft, the night of the beginning of the NFL draft. I, I don't want to play for the Green Bay Packers anymore. I know. I don't have to be a Packers fan, as it turns out. So 15 years in, he's like, eh, I'm actually going to bail. I don't know if he was doing that. Well, yeah, I, I don't know what Aaron Rodgers is doing. Aaron Rodgers is getting a little weird, I think. But he is, someone said, someone leaked like, no, he actually wants to be the host of Jeopardy. Like he actually thinks he can host Jeopardy. So he might be wanting to go to like an LA team. Like there's no chance you're going to be able to be an NFL quarterback and host Jeopardy at the same time. You maniac. It's funny you brought up sports because uh, we just got this special breaking news bulletin on a piece of orange construction paper. And it is sports related. I think who's Andy Roddick. He's a tennis player. Uh, so uh, Becky has messaged the show show that they have revealed, and I think this probably happened on Office Ladies podcast this week. Uh, they revealed who the father of Jan's baby Astrid is in a deleted scene in the office, and uh, allegedly it was Andy Roddick was supposed to be the the baby daddy to Jan's baby. 
That's good. That's a, a decent fit. He had such a big moment for a while. Like he hosted SNL. Oh, um, I know the yeah. name. Yeah, but like he, I don't even think he plays tennis anymore. And he was relatively young when he was going on that run, so he would still be in the mix. So I got dis- I got distracted by by this this note. Do you think that Aaron Rodgers thinks he has a shot at the Jeopardy gig because he doesn't? No, this is yeah. So so this is what I mean. To be a good quarterback, you have to have a certain level of irrational confidence. (laughs) (laughs) And that might be coming into play here a little bit. And it also might just be like general weirdness. It might be him thinking, you know, quarterbacks spend all day watching game tape. Mm -hmm. I think he watched a lot of Jeopardy game tape. He did. Leading into it. Going like. He said he did. "Ah, I I know the playbook. I know the Jeopardy playbook now. I can do this. Um. And I think the general consensus was like, he was good. Like he was probably exceptional for an athlete. Mm-hmm. He <laughs> but, was, he was, he was charming and he got better in the second yeah. week, but right. no, they're not going to rush towards anything. They're going to have uh, a tricky Idris Elba, James Bond situation on their hands because people are going to be so mad if it's anything but LeVar Burton. It's not up to them, but they're going to be so mad that Jeopardy is kind of like their hands are tied. How did Anderson Cooper do so far? Good. He's, he's, I mean, yes. unsurprisingly very good at it. I, I saw a quick um, headline that he had lower ratings than Dr. Oz, but I think it's just because it's not a surprise. Like, yeah, yeah he's going to be fine. Right. And he, he's, he's supernatural. And like, I mean, I, th- I think that the Dr. Oz thing was like still kind of fresh and also negativity. Like it, it, it breeds curiosity. It's the same reason that, Elon Musk is going to have the highest SNL ratings they've had in like two years this weekend. And this, yeah. this is a natural transition. Um, Great segue. C- complaining about this is buying into exactly what they want. Like yeah. th- this whole narrative that like cast members can feel free to sit this one out if they have an ethical problem with Elon Musk being, that's not going to happen. It's going to, you're going to see they have a full deck on Saturday night because this yeah. is all part of the, the machine. It's, of course, silly that because you're a billionaire, you get to be a celebrity in this day and age. But they like to generate a little anger over it, and it's worked. Do you think they also like to generate a little buzz over it? Do you think that's yes. what they were like? What even what like Bowen Yang said? Do you think Lauren Michaels was like, "Yeah, Bowen, I'd like you to just tweet out what does this even mean?" Sure, I think it's I think it's kept it in the headlines like in particular like the new york post which loves to stir this kind of stuff up right they announced two weeks ago or whatever that elon's going to host snl and that's a lot of time for people to get bored of that idea or forget about it entirely especially the people who would actively complain about it on social media and never ever watch snl to begin with um but if every two days the new york post has a new snl cast member to blog about having had a vocal opinion about um they can keep SNL in the public discussion. And because it's been kind of a slow year for SNL, they've been a little more sporadic because of probably because of isolation protocols. Um, and it's gotten a little tired. We're post Trump at this point. It's like a I've weird time. I liked it more. There's I've, been I've some good shows. Every episode post Trump has been pretty solid, like overall more creative, maybe. And like a lot less politics. They've just been able to do weird sketches that are about about nothing. So uh, Elon this weekend, 
And then the last two of the season, um, in order, uh, Keegan Michael Key, which that'd be really good. I, he's yeah. I'm kind of surprised he's considered famous famous enough to host SNL, but I'm good with it. Yeah, totally. He'll, he'll be super funny on it. Like, what was the last thing you are like? He must be going into something. He must be like promoting a movie yeah, or I don't exactly if not know. great. Still happy. About I mean, it. he's yeah, he's he's an excellent sketch comedian. That's what we know him from. And then season yeah. finale, Anya Taylor Joy, which is great. That's yeah, it's, it's almost a surprise that it took them so long to get Anya Taylor Joy on there. I know, but we know that we've discussed Pete dating Bridgerton girl now. Right. Right, but there's no connection between her and Bridgerton. No, but I was just thinking it's funny that she is not. Uh, thank you for thank you for making the full circle in my head. No, it's funny that she is not hosting as well. I guess because they just had Reggae Jean Page like what six weeks ago. It's true, but it would still be like probably a ratings monster if they got her mm-hmm. on. Everyone knew that she also dated Pete Holmes. And- Has she uh, in her spare time? sent anything to space or built an electric car? I mean, who am I to say? Right, yeah. I guess we don't know her that well. She might just not be publicizing it. She's part of the 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 Phoebesants, eh? You know how like two years ago there were no Phoebes and now there's like six Phoebes? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was one Phoebe. Phoebe Buffet? <laughs> Phoebe Buffet. Yeah. That Friends uh, reunion was in the news because um, Courtney Cox was on Ellen today and and she was asked about like how the shooting of the reunion special went, which was good information for me only because it seemed to confirm that Ellen's not going to be conducting that interview and phew, I kind of thought that right. was a risk at one point. Um, but I guess the the taping went very well and the air date is not yet announced, but it's to come out at, at some point. You know, I read some, some comments on Reddit and it still seems to me that people think that they are getting back into character to shoot a new episode of friends. And I I don't know what more the friends people could have done to properly communicate this. They have used the word unscripted many times. Maybe that's too jargony, but for like years, for years, (laughs) this is just good people. I feel like they're, they're set up to fail. People are going to be so disappointed when it's just more. So when did you know that your life had changed forever? like right. uh, boring quest and, and maybe it'd be good like maybe it'd be high production value they each made like two and a half million dollars to appear in the thing but mm-hmm. i think the point was to silence the so when are you going to do a reunion question and i don't know if that's going to work yeah i don't think it will no i had another thing in my hopper but i forgot it i got a bunch of stuff but it's, it means I was a couple weeks okay uh, Adrian Probably Brody that. and Alex- Alexander Skarsgård both added to the third season of Succession. They're like packing the cast with like big time actors. And we just talked about how Adrian Brody's been kind of MIA lately, but he's a good mm-hmm. fit for that show. Yeah, he's definitely a good fit. It's going to be a bear hug. Leonardo DiCaprio's production company has the rights for another round and he may produce and in fact star in an English version of another round, which feels like it's really going to piss off director bong like it feels like exactly what he said we should not be doing with movies in like the the wonderful comment he made about the hurdles of one inch subtitles being all that stands yeah. between you and excellent films like the movie just yeah, won an oscar true. the original other, another round is obviously good just read that movie and mads mickelson is arguably an a-lister at this point Absolutely. And like, why does Leo, why does Leo want to do that? That seems beneath him to do something so hacky. Yeah, true. I don't know. 
I guess maybe if it's like loosely based on another round, but there was also a, it was actually a, ooh, Kaplan Corner. There was a, a TJ Miller, Lizzie Kaplan um, show, not show. It was like a little tiny webisode. It was like a 10 minute movie, okay. a short film, if you will, um, <laughs> called Successful Alcoholics. Oh, and it was kind of a similar idea. Like they were just kind of carrying on. And I think you can still find it online. And Nick Kroll had a guest appearance in it. And, but it was all from like 2000, I want to say like 2009, maybe 2010. But it's a spoof. Uh, no, it's it's kind of serious. It's kind of got like, I mean, it's it's a comedy. But like it just kind of ends with like a big fight because they're like, both just kind of being shit shows through the day and they're like trying to like continue on with their life. And then at some point that it all comes to a head and they're like, we can't keep doing this. Are you suggesting that you smell, uh, a, you smell a rat? Do you, do you sense funny business? I just think it's like kind of an interesting idea that yeah. they like, I don't know, they, maybe they give them a credit on. Speaking of, of Kaplan corner, uh, I actually do have Kaplan corner today. You have Kaplan Corner? Yeah. Okay, amazing. Weirdly. So uh, this is not brand new, but Now You See Me 3 has been confirmed for a little while. Yeah. What I just learned is that Lizzie Kaplan is the only person who is confirmed to be in it. So they haven't confirmed Woody Harrelson or Jesse Eisenberg, certainly not Daniel Radcliffe, uh, Isla Fisher. They have confirmed Lizzie Kaplan, and that's the end of the list. But the rumor was is she that in the first two? She was in the second one. I don't know if she was in the first yeah. one or maybe... It's the reverse, but she's she's going to be in the third one. The rumor is that Benedict Cumberbatch is going to play the villain, which is actually a good get for what would otherwise be a pretty tired franchise. A great get. Yeah. Maybe it's one of those things, though, like Zombieland. Maybe. Like, have you ever tuned into Zombieland? Yeah, it was too gruesome for me. I know it's a comedy, but it was so gruesome immediately. And now I think it's at a point where if someone's like, Zombieland 3 is coming out, people would be like, oh, yeah, this is amazing. But like, in kind of a wholesome kind of culty way. Well, and now you see me as kind of like that too, where like these these middle tier movies that are fun to watch, but you don't have too much of your heart invested in them. And so like, that's why a Zoolander 2 or an Anchorman 2 can never really work because you're too invested in how much you cared about that first one. But like the first now you see me has, it's a, got a an insane twist that is completely like deconstructive, but it's... <laughs> fun it's a, like a, a fun watch and i don't know if i actually saw the second one but i would not hesitate to watch yeah. it for the same reason i'd probably go to the the third one yeah okay i haven't seen either i kind of want to watch the first one now by the way as long as we're talking about, about about sequels i watched both paddingtons last weekend oh i can't wait to hear what you have to say about this so we were both kind of glum because last week was a tough week and we put on paddington one on friday night which notably has like a 97% score on Rotten Tomatoes. Didn't really know what to expect. And it is delightful. Yeah. For sure. I really like it. And then on Saturday, we're like, well, I guess we're doing this. Like, let's watch Paddington 2, which they say is not, not only incredible, but like it has 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. And uh, I don't know if you heard about Citizen Kane is no longer the highest rated movie of all time. <laughs> yeah. It's been they dethroned. They dug up a negative review from <laughs> like 80 years ago. It's been dethroned. And now Paddington 2 has the highest average critics rating in film history. 
and you know it's Incredible. it is so good it's like it's one of those scripts that they could probably teach in like a screenwriting class because it's it's you know how i like to talk about the the amount of fat on a movie it's yeah. one of the most fat free movies i've ever seen um and the the callbacks like you won't believe when it's wrapping up how much stuff is coming back from earlier in the movie and no to say nothing of he is just so friggin' cute and the jokes are funny and like it's it's I I mean I can't recommend it enough. It's a boring take at this point, but like there's this I love it. There's this amusing sense that like, oh, Paddington is actually a lot better than you might think, but like in a kid's movie way, and like sure adults can enjoy it too. And that is what it is, but I also unironically love Paddington and could watch it again and again. Especially if you're not in the in the cheeriest of moods. Well, there's a level of persuasion that is needed for me to still glob onto that. Like there are some movies where I know that they're supposed to be objectively good, yeah. but I just go, okay, maybe I'll force myself to watch it. And then by the end of it, I'm so happy that I did. Yeah. And because you said this, I'll probably do that with Paddington 1 and 2. Although I've heard a million times, like they're both supposed to be amazing. They are both supposed to be amazing. And I, I had heard, because I think it was on the big picture on The Ringer, they were talking about how like Paddington 2 in particular is really quite something. And they were debating whether or not you had to see the first one. And my take is you don't. Like the first one is great. Don't rob yourself of that uh, experience. Joy. But the second yeah. one is better. And it's really not dependent on the first one at all. And, and the, the, the cast is really good. So like... Uh, Nicole Kidman is the villain in the first one and Hugh Grant is the villain in the second one and he is kind of a talking piece about the movie because it might be his best performance and it might be his best performance and you know how I feel about Hugh Grant like he yeah. he's so wow. he's so good in it and he's kind of a Count Olaf type figure in it that's another thing I like except he's like fancier than Count Olaf it was just it was put together perfectly Whoa, I'm so interested in this now. I'm I'm into it. Do it. I'm down. Is it like completely G-rated? It must be. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like very wholesome. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, I remember what I was going to say. Okay. Uh, got introduced to a guy named Louis Theroux. Hmm. Have you, do you know this name? I do. Maybe, I'm, maybe I'm thinking of some like old uh, 15th century monarch though. Yeah, okay, not that one. Uh, this guy's kind of like been around. It seems like he's been around for 20 years. He's like British, kind of started doing like a bit of a documentary series. Uh, documentary series or like documentaries in general. Yeah. Um, where he kind of like goes in and like interviews people and like the KKK and like stuff like that. Okay. Anyways, he had, he had a podcast, which I had recommended to me recently. And so I was like, you know what? I'll dig on on this. And the first one that I listened to was the most recent episode, and that was February twentieth. But it was with Justin Thoreau. Oh, through and through. And and turns out they're cousins. Okay. So that was just like, oh, now I'm listening to a podcast with Justin Thoreau's cousin, and they're both just talking about. So it's kind of a good jumping in point because they're he, one's talking about like, oh yeah, and when we'd come over from from New York and go to England, you guys would be doing this. And when we'd come from England to Cape Cod, you guys were doing this. So they're like close uh, cousins. They are friendly. They're pretty close. So there's more to the story where apparently their families had like a bit of a falling out, but they always stayed in touch. And Louis Theroux's dad, and he pronounces it Theroux. So okay. Theroux and Thoreau. Um, and they debate who pronounces it correctly. 
but everyone at work was saying this Louis Theroux guy was so interesting and like and I didn't even comment that I didn't know who he was because I was like at this point I feel like it's I can't say this about everything that I don't understand like right. hey guys fill me in I'm just the weird Canadian here right uh, so I just went and kind of discovered it on my own uh, and yeah great interviewer too okay and, and so he just interviews people on his podcast and and people from different walks of life and it's like a general interest show yeah i think i think mainly celebrities oh, on great. the podcast it's called grounded with louis theroux so i think it's supposed to be like hey i started this podcast during the quarantine and here's how it's going can you imagine if he uh, was named louis theroux and he wasn't british yes that would be the, the biggest shocker of all that would be strange that sounds good you know what's funny too uh, another podcast that I'll just quickly loop into was uh, Smart List, mm-hmm. which we've talked about before. Yep. Amy, Amy Sedaris was on it. I, I skipped that one. Yeah, you should give it a listen. It's not bad. Uh, but it's weird because she's apparently best friends with Justin Thoreau. Like, they're together all the time. Like That's a weird each one. each other's, like, plus one. Like, you rarely see one without the other, apparently. Well, he must have, as it turns out, like, a really great comedic mind. Like he wrote Tropic Thunder and yeah. he's he's done he's friends with only funny people. Like that's kind of been his like his main contribution to popular culture and being married yeah. to Jennifer Aniston briefly. But yeah. uh but he's, he he just seems so handsome to be well, I mean coming back to Mad Men, I guess he's got a Don Draper quality in that way or a, a John Hamm quality. Like he's like Definitely. he's this got this leading man energy, but he's got this like wacky comedian kind of persona yeah uh he seems kind of self-serious but well i guess from like a yeah from from an away standpoint from the helicopter oops i think i lost you can you hear me and then i like helped ben stiller write conan bits and right uh, and he's buddies with kimmel i think he's part of that circuit yeah yeah he has an emmy for that whole uh Apparently, he came up with the idea. He talks about that a little bit. He came up the idea with the idea when he was just like high in Jamaica with Jimmy Kimmel to be like, oh, man, what if we did like a stage show of good times? And then literally like Jimmy Kimmel, I guess, did all of the heavy lifting and everything. And just because he kind of like conceived it, he got an Emmy for he it. He got an Emmy for it, man. Yeah. To accidentally get an Emmy. Yeah. He's like, I actually feel kind of bad about that Emmy. <laughs> Uh, NBC is ending a little late with Lily. This is Lily Singh's late night talk show. I, I mean, nobody talked about this show. She never once had a viral video. I'm kind of surprised it lasted for two years. Yeah. Especially when you have shows like Rutherford Falls that are Peacock explicitly. Like, how how is this happening? Well, well like, what do you mean? They, well, what's happening on prime time? <clears throat> oh, I don't know. I, you Where mean like, have- like what is NBC airing? That's like interesting television. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Like This Is Us. And then also sports and news. Yeah. Rachel Maddow. I guess that. I guess that. But like you have like this three camera sitcom with like one of the leads of The Office and The Hangover. That's actually like a really interesting story. Yeah. Or at least like an original story. And it's like, oh, let's just put it on our streaming service. I know. I found it to be really strange. And, and, and something that caught me off guard when I, because I, I watched Rutherford Falls this morning. I guess we're getting a bit ahead of, ahead of ourselves. But um it doesn't sit right with me that um, that their their slogan at Peacock is uh, "You can't not watch." Yeah, like you, you, your slogan has four words in it, and half of them are negative words. 
And right. and you know what? I cannot watch. Yeah, watch because me. you're putting it on this platform, you're making it even easier to not watch it. Right. It just seems like the most, and I'm not an expert here, but that's not what I would have chosen. <laughs> right. You can't not watch. Well, we can talk about Rutherford Falls next, but I just wanted to add also, because I only had one more thing. Uh, it's that Bo Burnham has a new special coming out next month, which he just kind of like right. surprise announced and he completely produced and, and made the thing on his own in some form of isolation over the last year. And he put a little teaser trailer out. It's going to come out next month on Netflix. Cool. Yeah, I, I saw that online. I'm I'm excited. His last special was so good. His last two were beautiful. I, but he they really illustrated his uh his kind of uh fraught relationship with an audience. And so where this won't be in front of a crowd, it it'll be a different kind of bow. Then again, we knew him initially being a guy who made videos in his bedroom, and so it's kind of a return to form. Right. So is this just a not shot in front of a crowd special? Yeah, I guess. All right, who goes first? You go first, I go first. Uh, you can go first, you can pick. Okay, I'll go first. I honestly think I'll pick Cruel Summer. Okay, I'm excited to have this chat. Yes. <laughs> All right. And I don't know any of the names. I watched the show like a week ago, I think. Her name is Jeanette. Jeanette, okay, cool. Uh, okay, so you recap the first episode of Cruel Summer in three, two one go okay so cruel summer uh takes place in la and uh texas it's it's in texas over the course of three years i think it's 93 94 and 95 93 it's kind of happy shiny and it's all happening on june 21st which is her birthday um and eventually it gets darker and by the end she's basically an alcoholic and everyone hates her um (laughs) why because she (laughs) Why? Because I think she might have murdered someone. No, she didn't murder someone. She, and my time's up. But she she did not murder someone. No. She Not, not as it would seem, just, anyway. Just in the end, someone was being held hostage. Someone whose life she kind of adopted and stole a boyfriend of, who she was clearly an admirer of. Yes. And yeah, maybe not soul boyfriend, but Right. So the the birthdays are 15th birthday, 16th birthday, 17th birthday. In the first one, she is like just a nerdy girl. She has two best friends. Right. They do nerdy shit on her birthday. She's super close with her parents. Okay. Second birthday, this girl Kate has gone missing. And right. and we don't know where she is, but in the meantime, Jeanette is now friends with Kate's friends. She's dating Kate's boyfriend. Her She's not friends with her friends at all anymore. And she's like no. cool and prettier now. And so that's, that is kind of shady. And then yes, in the, in the third timeline, she is uh notorious worldwide <laughs> nationwide uh, because Kate, yeah, Kate had, had been found and rescued and then announced to the world that Jeanette knew she was uh being held captive in that house and didn't do anything about it. And so now, uh, Jeanette is public enemy number one, and there's a trial, uh, you know, looming on the horizon. Right, and on live on TV, uh, there's like an Oprah-style interview with yeah. this girl at the very end of the show, and she says, "I hope you burn in hell, Jeanette, <laughs> whatever." Jeanette Turner, and she, and she keeps rewinding it and replaying it over again. 
It's not clear where, where Jeanette's mom went in that year either, because now dad's dating some bartender and Jeanette's mad about that. And she's like very, she's very snotty to everybody, as you would be. And so let's back it up. When she's 15, as like a fun kind of dangerous, rebellious birthday activity, she takes the key to a house that her dad, as a real estate agent, is selling. And right. this is on their like little list of fun things to do uh, while you're 15. Um, do something illegal. Play hide and seek in uh, an empty house, in like someone else's house. And so they go they go into this house and they're two, her two friends are hiding upstairs. And then Jeanette is about to look for them and she comes face to face with the person who has just bought this house. And so she has to lie about why she's in here. Uh, and by the way, it's uh, he he played April's boyfriend in the first season of Parks and Rec, and he's an adult now, which was very jarring to me because he's like oh, a, a yeah. kid in that show. Um, and so what was his name Gabe, Ben, Ben, and then they they created a whole other major character named Ben in Parks and Rec when they wrote that Ben out. Oh yeah. Um, right. and so she basically lies. This guy is going to be her assistant vice principal. And so like he's going to be in her life for a little while. And she 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 knows that her friends are hiding upstairs. And she's like, how am I going to get let my friends get out of here? And she's like, well, listen, my dad sold you this house. I was just here for like quality control to take a look around. I thought I saw something in the basement. Why don't you come into the basement with me and we'll check it out? And so like her friends are like, OK, she's given us the, the clearance to to book it. And right. so obviously they don't see anything in the basement. And she's like, whoops, my bad. And so what I didn't understand about the big twist when at the end, Kate is like, Jeanette knew I was in that house is did Kate hear Jeanette say that? And Jeanette was making it up to just like cover her tracks. But Kate thinks that Jeanette did see her and then just bailed on rescuing her. Or are we about to see more? I think we're about to see more. I don't, I don't know if she, I think she kept the key to that house, which is part of the, the, one of the big parts of it. Right. And so and, obviously at one point she breaks in and goes like, oh my God. And in middle, there. in middle timeline, when, when Kate is missing and she's friends with Kate's friends, they're like hanging out and then they get the phone call that Kate has been rescued and the right. captor, the vice principal or whatever was killed in a police shootout. Uh, and Jeanette has like a, uh, she's, she's ashen. You know, her face is like, oh, no, like she while this is good news to her, it's maybe iffy. And so that was my big takeaway is like, I'm not so sure this this heroine is a very good person. I'm not sure she deserves to be the most hated person in the nation to use her language. Um, right. But I don't know, like it it seems like you probably should have told people that 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 Kate was in there if you knew. <laughs> Yeah, basic human decency would say if you see someone being taken captive in a basement by an adult, you should probably talk about it. I think I got the impression from you, and maybe maybe this was correct, but you brought it up a few times to watch the show, and I've never heard of this show aside from you uh, suggesting it. Uh, I got the impression that you liked it. Did you? I only heard this from Jen. Oh, okay. Uh, it, it was okay. It wasn't... I don't even know if I give it my ass. Oh, I don't. It was... I yeah <laughs> I, I I think it was like I'm I'm kind of hooked but it for all the wrong reasons like I right I think the acting was terrible and I think the script was so fucking terrible like some right. some of the the exposition um I'm not taking your money we've been together for four months okay now we know dad's been with the bartender for four months Mallory's dad right. left when she was five so 
And so now we know Mallory's dad left when she was five. It was just like, it was so plain as day and the actors were not good enough to disguise it. And so I struggled with that. The show just took itself so seriously, but yeah. I want to see more. <laughs> <laughs> You wouldn't recommend it to people, but you personally want to watch Right. It. I'd fall on that grenade for the rest of society. Sure. Sure. Um, yeah. I don't think I give my ass, but you're right. It is. There is something that's a little bit kind of intoxicating. But... Uh, what else did I want to bring up about it? Well, they use the, uh, this is one of my least favorite uh, cliches in, in movies and TV. When somebody thinks they hear a gunshot. And then they're like, oh, it was a car backfire. I've never heard a car backfire in my life. And every yeah. every second TV show is like, that was probably just a car backfire. Maybe you heard car backfires and you thought they were gunshots. I live in Dartmouth. There were probably gunshots. <laughs> That's probably true. Anyway, I don't give it my S, but it was pretty watchable. Pretty watchable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Same boat. Cool. Same boat. You want to recap Rutherford Falls? Yeah, I can do that. I think I can do that. Yeah. Okay, so this yeah, is Ed Helms' new show. Uh, Mike Schur produced. Again, like considering the pedigree, kind of not getting a lot of buzz around it. Ed Helms did a bit of a promo yeah. tour a couple weeks ago. He was on some podcasts, on some late night shows. But like Abby's got more attention than, than Rutherford Falls. And Abby's was bad and canceled. Wait, what's Abby's? Exactly. It was a Mike Schur show with Natalie Morales like three years ago. We did it oh, on the podcast. Oh, yeah, that was bad. Yeah, that it was, was terrible. Bad. She, I think she was like, I think Mike Schur was kind of loosely involved with that one, where it seems like he's more hands-on with this one. I think he's definitely hands-on. There is a pawniness to, to Rutherford yeah. Falls. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to start the clock in three, two, one, go. Uh, he plays Nathan, uh, who is like the descendant of the founder of Rutherford Falls. I guess he's Nathan Rutherford. And he also kind of assumes the responsibility of being like the town's spokesperson for heritage. And he manages the museum and he keeps alive the myth of his ancestor, uh, Big Larry, of which there's a big statue in the center of town. And uh, it's it's kind of a traffic hazard. People keep driving into it. And so there's a bit of a motion to get the statue of Big Larry <laughs> time's run out uh removed but he doesn't want to do that because he kind of sees it as historical erasure now where this is interesting is that there is a strong uh indigenous community in rutherford falls and so when we start to discuss the erasure of history there's a bigger uh issue at hand of course and it seems that nathan rutherford has some learning to do um i don't know exactly what happened story-wise, he kind of flip-flopped a couple of times. At one Is point, it, Wasn't it kind of hard to follow? Yes. At one point, he was like, no, I think maybe we should move Big Larry. And then there was a, a classic Pawnee town hall kind of scene yes. where like people from the city are giving him all kinds of insane and frustrating suggestions. And he loses his temper and he's like, I'm flip-flopping back. Big Larry stays. And so his co-star is this woman who appears to be uh, indigenous and she... Um, she also has a great passion for like running a museum that accurately depicts the history of Rutherford Falls. Um, but and they're she's, friends. They're friends, and she and she's sort of seen like as uh, like his lackey, and like she does his bidding, and she's maybe maybe not representing her culture, um, in a way that satisfies members of her culture. Is that fair to right. say? 
and at the same time though, he's he's pretty instrumental in helping her do things like create signs and try to build her own museum as totally. well. And even like recommends at the beginning of the show, someone's like, What about the Maconcha people or the Minocha people? Yeah. Um and he was like, Well, there's a, actually another and, and they kind of do they don't gloss over it. They kind of do make a point of it it being like yeah, actually, this museum's a little more dedicated to the founders and less so those people. But my my good friend does run a museum related to those people, and you should definitely go check that museum out. Right. But the museum's like in a in a casino, and it's it's not really a museum. It couldn't be more prescient for, in particular, Halifax, like where we've had. A, a years going debate about a statue of our supposed founder and whether right. or not we should keep it considering his uh his misgivings towards an indigenous community and so like it is is bang on there's no indication that big larry rutherford was um was violent i guess but there might be more uh revelations about him as we go that that have to uh that that allow for nathan to grow does that make sense yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a uh, a lot of learning that happens. But I, I think it's an interesting show. It's interesting to me that that Mike Schur is is wanting to explore this subject matter because, I mean, he, he built well, such they, a wonderful make- little world with, with Pawnee, and they were sure to include uh, a historical component of Pawnee that involves, like, the, the Native community. And, right. And it was a little cartoony. I mean, I'm not in a position to judge it one way or another, but it mostly just made fun of of white people. <laughs> but it's interesting that this is like an evolution of that kind of. Yeah. Yeah. What I was going to say was, was funny was the line. Uh, yeah. You know, it's not a good year for people who really want statues, right? <laughs> well, I wrote like down that. my favorite line too. Um Oh, th- th- I just thought this was like a, a a good piece of conversation. Nathan, what are you talking about? What are you ever talking about? <laughs> yeah. I just think that's a good burn. Yeah. It also reminded yeah, me a little but- bit of, uh, uh, well, I wanted to mention Dustin Milligan, who's not in the pilot, but he played Ted in Schitt's Creek and he's about to become a, a part of the show. And so it's interesting oh, that he's cool. in another show about like a small town, people being kind of strange. Um, but speaking of Canadian sitcoms, this idea of like a small town and they run the museum in the small town reminded me of Cavendish. You remember Cavendish? Yes. I love that show. That was the premise. They had a museum. Yeah. A, a museum that was ridiculous. Mm. It was like it was a ridiculous show. All, all of the all of the uh, uh, the good things about PEI and it was really just like random like dolls and stuff. <laughs> I'm happy yeah. for Ed Helms. I obviously he's had like uh, a huge role to play in a couple of like very big commercially successful things, and yet I still kind of feel like he's been floating in the ether for a couple years. And so I want him to have a thing that is good, and he can kind of be the figurehead of. I was thinking about how The Hangover was like the biggest movie of 2009, and then how like the sequels completely ruined that. Kind but- of, yeah. 
but Ed Helms being in that, and then like at the same time, the office kind of going, okay, Steve Carell's leaving. Who can we put in here? And going like, okay, well, it's going to be Ed Helms because he's like our franchise movie star at this point. I would say one of the funniest movie moments of our generation is the the Tiger song that he sings in the first Hangover movie. Yeah. And then I always think of how he makes a an Allentown song in the second movie. Like the second movie is literally like note for note. Beat the for first beat. Movie. Yes. Yeah, it's it's too tough to do that. Yeah. I, I almost couldn't believe it. Yeah, those sequels kind of ruined the legacy for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, and I do, is still there. I do give Rutherford Falls my my ass. I th- I thought it was pretty good. Me too. Yeah. Me too. I think uh I recommend it to the the show show heads. We're on the same page. Tight. Jay didn't explain the thing this time around. She had nothing to add. Wow. I don't remember what I don't remember what we said in our last week's podcast, but I vaguely remember us being like, Jade, please don't explain this. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. We don't need more context. We're just being dumbasses. At that point, she turned off the podcast. Yeah, I wouldn't blame her. I wouldn't blame any of you. What are you still doing here? (laughs) You guys made it past minute fifty-seven. Congratulations. This has been nice to escape the pandemic and talk to a friend. It certainly has been. Likewise. Man, I've been getting like, I don't know if this is uh, stress uh, inspired, but I have like hives on my body. Wow. Yeah. I, well, how are you doing? I, I, didn't, I did not make a point at all of asking how you specifically are doing. And once you mentioned hives, I started to, to <laughs> the wheel started turning. What... What's your headspace like right now? I'm okay. I'm 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 kind of struggling with it for obvious reasons. It's just like it yeah. it just kind of feels like this. I mean, very few of my feelings could be that different from most people's, but it part part of part of the defeat is living in this world where you're inundated with with a narrative of a nation that is getting through it. And so now we're having to live through this third and by far most intense wave of a pandemic that will not relent um, while our vaccine rollout continues to be slow, not as slow, but still pretty, like if I'm going to get my first dose in four weeks, it feels like four years. I don't know why. Um, But now because we live in Western society, there are 300 million people who are basically saying, well, this is wrapping up. Here we are on the the back doorstep of the pandemic. We're uh, coming through the other side. Yeah. Like, like, uh, Post-vax summer is like the theme of this summer. Like, let's all go out and and have an orgy. And vax and wax. Right. And so meanwhile, we are just kind of like waiting and hoping. And that's frustrating. It feels like a purgatory. That's a dramatic word, but it feels like her too, you know, like she's isolated in the house. I'm isolated out of the house. But I, I, I go there and I sit in my little cavern and I repeat the same words. And frankly, sometimes I deliver a sentiment that's a little hollow. You know, like we, we have, mm-hmm. uh, if, I'm, if I'm talking about COVID on the radio, um, some of the messaging is, is of an attitude that doesn't come natural to me, if you know what I mean. It's like, we're going to get through this. You just have to keep your head up. And like, sometimes I don't believe that. You know, and that's that right. can be hard and and exhausting. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm not envious at all. Uh, well, you're you're is, in it too. Like you're. It's 
it's it's happening to everybody and it just kind of no but but i'm i'm, I'm speaking from a, a standpoint of I, I you know i had a big you know we took a big step a couple years ago before the pandemic happened that was not we did not have to consider it's, the it's, pandemic it's very it's, it's very it's very kind of you to avoid the w word that's very nice <laughs> um but i can't and and it's like it, it it does kind of feel like like a cog in this bigger machine that only continues to uh to throw curveballs and so like a prime example we were talking about earlier uh of dr strang saying well you know we're, we're not out of the woods and we're not going to be for quite a while but like we can look forward to cases probably coming down a little bit in the next few days and that doesn't happen or right. um you know, they, they, they install this four week lockdown and probably tomorrow he's going to tell us, well, the school year is going to, going to round out at home for sure. Um, right. and we're getting vaccines, but also the variants are getting worse. And so who knows about that? And, uh, there are some vaccines that, you know, your parents can get, but maybe they'll die from blood clots and you can bet that news organizations will, uh, tweet about it every single time that happens no matter how rare and and so there there is some kind of opposition to every ray of hope and that is really exhausting yeah yeah it's true i've uh i feel like i've been relatively insulated against it more so lately just kind of like catching up on texts with my friends mm. um but yes to especially to be working within media and delivering those messages about what's happening i can't not go on twitter yeah i couldn't do my no, job yeah you need the show prep and it's it's and it sometimes it's just poison yeah yeah even with the news so i'm on tiktok instead i i like i i i am spending so much time on tiktok i'm making tiktoks now i just rant about back oh, to the, i just rant about back to the future on tiktok constantly really yeah that's my new that's my new outlet and by the way, uh, he, Rutherford Falls, uh, like town square is Hill Valley town square. Like it's so clearly <laughs> the clock yeah, tower. True. <laughs> if TikTok ever needed an endorsement for me to, to log on to it, that was it. Great. I mean, it's, it's, it, it what it is, but is the, I, I, I'll go down a rabbit hole. Yeah. I just, I can't commit to it. It is a little addictive. What's interesting about it is it's the most sophisticated algorithm in social media. So you'd be amazed at how quickly it learns you. Yeah. I don't I I don't think I like that either. I like even aspects of of what I see on Instagram coming up for me. I'm like, "Oh, gross." Well, and, you know and too well. when it learns you, it learns what you don't like too and it like all media, it knows how to intoxicate you with negativity. Like that's that's the reason we all got so fascinated with the news cycle during the Trump administration, not because we're happy about that guy, but because right. we're getting a rush from the exposure. And so TikTok can do that to you as well. Like there's this guy on TikTok who, you know, rants about anti-maskers and I like him. He makes good points, but, and and he and I agree on things, but I don't need to see him as often as I have right. to, because then yeah. I'm just reminded that I haven't escaped. Uh, it's so weird that we haven't escaped too. We were, we were doing such a good job for so long. We're mm -hmm. really killing it. You mean COVID wise in Nova Scotia? Yeah. Well, it's, it's smugness. Like it, I saw somebody tweeting today about 
that family from Ontario again. And Jan Snore, man, it is not just four people who created no. 1300k like listen we were all complacent exactly it, like, sh it I, shows like, a complete lack of accountability for for our leisure and sure we were entitled to some of that and most of us were for the most part still safe if bending the rules slightly here and there because it seemed like it was okay and we weren't in dire straits but there is so much blame game happening and that's what's most uh, toxifying on the brain, I think, because yeah. it just shows a, a complete lack of awareness for for uh, compassion. And, and and the other thing is, I, th I think that our leaders made a mistake by patting themselves and uh, by virtue us on the back as much as they have for the last year. Like, you tell a little boy that he's a very special little boy, more special than all the other little boys, he's going to believe you. And then when shit hits the fan, he's not going to know how to react. And that's kind of right. what happens. For the last year, we're like, well, we're the safest place in the world. And now right. we're not. And we don't know how to, we don't know how to um, atone for that, how to reconcile it. No, I've got an idea. Two weeks, everyone work from home, no matter what, everything except for grocery stores and pharmacies and hospitals. We're kind of doing that but, now. It's not working. People are having parties. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's... Yeah, that is tough. And when, when you when you go, hey, now we're going to make it two thousand dollars, which I thought was like, once you go above a thousand dollars, that like two thousand dollars no. doesn't seem that much scarier. It just seems like that also sucks, right? So if you're trying to avoid a thousand dollar fine, you're doing the same thing trying to avoid a two thousand dollar fine. That's but I right. like how much they're publicizing that. But then that also adds the engine of like these idiots are the reason that we're yeah yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we had a like a kind of a jaunty show and then I got angry towards the end. Well, I mean, I didn't do any favors. I was asking you specifically. I was specifically digging into you COVID opened later. Pandora's box. I did. Ugh. I did. I figured at the end of the show, might as well let it loose. It's like throwing candy at a kid before he has to go home with his parents. Hey, I, can I embarrass my brother for a second? Um, you sure can. He is getting in with this... Uh, online-based Star Wars Trivia League. And so there's this like greater trivia uh, organization called Schmodown that um, okay. he got to be a part of a one-on-one -on -one trivia match on May the 4th, no less. Um, and it was like, it was like their main event on, on Wednesday night or Tuesday night. And so Ross and this other guy squared off in this like four rounds of Star Wars trivia. He won. He played a perfect game. Ross did? Uh, yep. And so the other guy, uh, he did pretty well too, but like he missed a question and then and then he blanked on a, his last question and Ross didn't actually end up having to answer his last question, his his five point question, because he was so far ahead that he couldn't lose. But Ross very slyly wrote the answer on his whiteboard and held it up after he was declared the winner to prove that he could answer a five point question. It was so smart and slick. And he... Um, he created Ross, like his multimedia skills are better than I thought they were. He made this amazing, uh, trash talk video that they played at the beginning of the round. And, <laughs> no. and he, he tweeted it. You should follow him on Twitter at Ross from nowhere. And it's like, he's, he's now, I think he's in with them and like, he's, he's, he did a great job. They loved him. That's they, huge. Why would that ever embarrass him? 
Well, because I'm because I'm, I'm I, I think You're he's pr- he's probably bashful about it. And I was proud of him and it was exciting. It was like on Twitch and the Twitch uh, like commenters were like, oh, Ross has got this guy like Ross should go for the kill. And like he has fans. It was so cool. He's going to become like the uh, the Star Wars or the uh, the Toy Story toys idol like Ross. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. No. Yeah. All of his fans will be like girls with blue hair and cat ears. But uh <laughs> <laughs> oh man this is incredible i hope he catches on i hope are they gonna like call him back for something else oh i think there'll be more yeah this was this was nice. like this was like initiation i love this so i we, love this we should have him as a guest pretty soon once he becomes uh, a, a certified celeb i'm sure he'd like that i mean anytime there's a new star wars tv show we can we can do that the obi-wan show will come out next year or there's like a so many new uh star wars tv shows going to come out in 2022 so There'll be lots of opportunity to have him on the podcast. Uh, Will Smith and also Mark Wahlberg are embracing their dad bods. Will Smith, in fact, says that he's in the worst shape of his life. He's got like a I big, a big gut. He's letting hang out. He's kind of proud of it, and he's 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 enjoying this new body type, which is good. You should have body positivity. You should be proud of yourself. But he's sure. also calling it the worst shape of his life. So I think that's kind of like reductive <laughs> terminology. He's acknowledging. He's leading into it. Yeah. Remember when I was jacked? No, I'm not jacked. He, he, he's, he's not going to... We can't believe what he's going to say about this. No, I don't I don't believe him. I think this is all just a ruse so he can be uh, he can be skinny again in some movie. It's probably for the the Venus and Serena Williams thing. He has to have a gut and he's doing a transformation. And then he'll get a million dollar trainer and he'll look shredded again. Totally. This or he walks away and like, pulls the basketball... Star pulls the basketball <laughs> from under his sweater and is like not even not even <laughs> prosthetics is just a basketball <laughs> that's right something just like hits his stomach and like flies off wow you really are an actor sir <laughs> and that is why you never trust will smith you never trust him